Welcome to Outflow. I'm Alan King, lead pastor of River of Life Church in Bowdies, North Carolina. And wherever you're joining us from today, we're glad you're here. Outflow is the podcast that you help develop. You set the topic for discussion. We encourage you to send us any topic, any question that you'd like to know more about from a biblical perspective. You know, the Bible has so much to say about a lot of the issues and the dilemmas that we face every day as just ordinary folk. You might be amazed to find out that there are biblical answers to some of your toughest questions. Anything you want to discuss from a biblical perspective is open game. So we encourage you to send those questions. Now, are you ready to write down this email address so you can send us any question, any topic that you would like to hear us talk about from a biblical perspective? Here you go. The email address is very simple. Outflow at outflow.online. Again, that's outflow at outflow.online. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Now, let's get started. Today, we're going to attempt to answer the question, what does Bible prophecy say about current world events, and what should we be doing about it? What does the Bible say? What does Bible prophecy say about current world events, and what should we be doing about it? So now, grab your Bible, grab something to take notes with, and let's get into the Word of God. What does Bible prophecy say about current world events and what should we be doing about it? There's so much going on in our world right now that could or could not have tremendous prophetic implications. We could talk about specifics like globalist or uh, Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog, Jacob's trouble. In troubling times, we look for signs, explanations, and certainty that brings order to disorder. The Bible, filled with the stories of God, His commands, and miraculous works throughout time and history, is the resource that we often consult. So we ask, did God predict this specific event? Is there something we can do to save ourselves from imminent doom from an angry God, or or maybe there's a secret code or revelation that somehow we missed. Apocalyptic texts like Daniel in the Old Testament rightfully grab hold of our curiosity and our imagination in disruptive days like these. However, as we read those texts, perhaps the answers we're looking for have been hiding in plain sight and are not so secretive after all. Some Bible teachers have focused their careers on interpreting headlines to demonstrate the soon return of Christ. That's been happening for centuries, but we have to be so careful when we do that. have to be so careful. Many Bible teachers uh, went nearly berserk. I remember when this happened, when the old European common market reached a membership of 10 nations, They said, this must be the ten-horned beast of Revelation. It's all coming together. Let's go ahead and put the church uh, over its head in debt because we're going to get raptured and we won't have to pay it off anyway. Unfortunately, 
the European Union now consists of 25 member nations with four more holding candidate status. So I think somebody jumped the gun again. I think it's easy to understand why such writing and preaching is popular. You know, it's breaking news, and we're a culture that thrives on being up to the minute in a whirlwind of current events. There have been more, so so many numerous examples of well-meaning Bible students who predicted this or that date for the return of Christ. William Miller, founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, predicted that uh, it would be the coming of the Lord would be in 1844. Edgar Wisnett predicted in 1988, uh, 88 reasons for that date of why Jesus was coming in 1988. Obviously, these and similar shenanigans reduce the credibility of the Christian message. Christ himself not only refused to give the date of his return, but he also observed that at least at that time in Mark 13, 32, he said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that. I think the question that I would pose and that I wonder about a lot is this. Should Christians pay attention to current events? Keeping up with the news can often be a depressing and frustrating endeavor. As Christians, we know that the world is passing away and will one day be destroyed. There's plenty of scripture for that. But it also says, the word also says, our citizenship is in heaven. So is there any good reason for Christians to pay attention to current events? I think we probably should. I think there are some valid reasons for doing that. I, I think, first of all, uh, current events can provide timely lessons that we can use as we seek to teach others. You know, when Jesus told uh, or, or, or when somebody told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices in Luke 13, he used it to teach a lesson on the need for repentance. Similarly, we can use current events today to show and remind people of the teaching of Scripture. Whether it's the news about a tsunami in Japan or a war in Ukraine, those things have the ability to leave a powerful impression of the brevity and the uncertainty of life. These examples can be particularly helpful in teaching non-Christians as current events can provide a way for us to direct a discussion towards spiritual things. When we're talking with somebody who might not ordinarily be interested in, in really talking about the scripture, keeping up with current events can also help us to be prepared for changing conditions around us. When Jesus sent out his disciples on a limited commission, he told them, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. They needed to be prepared for what they were going to face, opposition, persecution, and standing before civil leaders to defend their teaching. They had to be ready for that. Also, when the brethren in Antioch heard from the prophet Agabus that a famine was coming, they determined to send relief to the brethren in Judea that would be affected. All that's in Acts chapter 11. They, they, they received a warning that allowed them to prepare for the coming situation. In times like we're living in, it's hard not to read biblical prophecy into current events. But we can look at the things that are happening around us and we can be shrewd as serpents and prepare for what may lie ahead. The, the principle of preparedness is seen throughout the Bible. 
Jesus used it to emphasize the point about being prepared for his coming. He said in Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 43, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ye also ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If we pay attention to our surroundings and what might be coming, we can prepare. Keeping up with current events helps us to do that. Um, but, but let me emphasize to you here, we have to keep things in perspective. While paying attention to current events is important, we cannot afford to become so wrapped up in them that we neglect our other responsibilities. We cannot afford to use our knowledge of the circumstances around us as an excuse to do nothing. We should use our knowledge of the circumstances around us to be ready, to prepare, and then deal with obstacles along the way as we do what we're responsible to do. Paul said, don't be anxious for anything. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry over the things that are out of our control. Instead, as we hear news about what's going on in our community, our country, and around the world, we should use that information to prepare for the conditions that we might find ourselves in now and in the future. And as we discuss those things with others, we can use those opportunities that, 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 that we find to, to point out any spiritual lessons that, that might can be gained. Planting that seed that might hopefully result in, 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 in one with whom we've discussed those things, becoming maybe becoming a follower of Christ one day. Now, with those thoughts in mind, let me ask this question. Could we be living in the last days? Everywhere we look, prophetic signs are appearing. But by exploring biblical prophecy, we can discover God's purpose for the chaos around us. You, you, you remember a little over a year ago, and it was in June of, 2000, uh, of, of 2021, in Surfside, Florida, where the, the Champlain Towers, uh, the South Condominium, collapsed in the middle of the night. One floor just pancaked onto the next, and it buried scores of people under tons of concrete. Most of those people were sleeping in their beds. They were totally unaware of the suddenness of that catastrophe. Now, there have been signs, uh, there were warnings of water seeping beneath crucial parts of the structure and weakening its integrity, but the alarm sounded too late. Now, 3,000 miles away, residents of San Francisco's lavish Millennium Tower heard the news of what had happened in Florida. They became very apprehensive. They, they had this... 58-story uh, skyscraper with these dazzling views and luxury amenity, uh, amenities, and it had sunk 18 inches into the soft downtown soil that it was built on, and it's tilting. Some view Surfside as a warning to the new Millennium Tower, I, and I'm concerned about a new Millennium too. Our, our, our trembling 21st century. I'm burdened for the underpinnings of our culture, our eroding foundations and structural cracks. Like you, I've studied the signs of the times, and I believe we are approaching a global cataclysm, one predicted in the scripture, unfolding before our eyes. We, we are moving toward a one-world government. 
I'm not here to talk about that, but maybe on another uh, another episode. Everything we're seeing is being orchestrated by globalists who are working to bring about a one-world government. We see it every day as we watch the news. Every story is more distressing than the other one. Burning cities, backbiting politicians, runaway infections, heated elections, social upheaval, racial tension, a skyrocketing crime, shouting pundits, deafening lies, eroding sands, cracking foundations are all screaming for somebody to come on the scene to fix things. You and I are watching the dismantling of our nation, of America. We need to look at these crises and these controversies for what they really are. These are not isolated movements or philosophies or events. They are as interconnected as a spider web. COVID-19 seemed like an arbitrary crisis as it unfolded, but it didn't occur in a vacuum. And the world's response revealed our soul, revealed who we are. And, And the church as well, it revealed some things about the church. We are looking at an emerging globalism. We we are only one existential crisis away from a one-world government that the Bible talks about. Our freedoms are eroding. What about our worldwide economy hanging by a thread? Think, think of the degradation of our culture. It, it seems as if every member is a lover of self, a lover of money, a lover of pleasure, eager to cancel anybody who disagrees with them. This translates to extreme persecution for the church in much of the world and to eroding religious liberty right here at home, across our country. An unprecedented spiritual famine is causing an epidemic of emaciated hearts. In the process, many professed Christians are abandoning the faith. We saw that, you know, we saw that with, with, with the pandemic. People got out of church because of the pandemic. And they never came back. Nearly half of the people that were in church, that were a part of of the corporate body of Christ two years ago, have still not returned to the house of God. We've seen Christians just totally walking away, abandoning their faith. And this has created a vacuum for the rising tide of socialism to flood into our land. Simultaneously, events in the Middle East are turning Jerusalem into the powder keg of history again. China and Russia are showing their true colors and working toward world domination. Pandemics, wars, political upheaval all point to a world in chaos. The prognosis admittedly is grim. But you know what? What if we as followers of Christ refuse to be discouraged? Here's the key. It's time to live by biblical conviction. This is no time to retreat. It's time to live by conviction. When Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land to explore the territory, 10 of those spies were overwhelmed with fear and despair. They were daunted by the giants they saw. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, in effect, let's go forward. We can take this land. We don't have to be overcome by it. We can overcome it. Years later, in recalling the event, Caleb told Joshua, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Well, I've explored the territory of our times, and I'm bringing back a report according to my convictions. This is not bravado. 
I'm speaking as honestly and as humbly as I can when I tell you we cannot be still. We cannot be silent. We cannot live by lies. We just need to live by our biblical convictions, folks. We can no longer ignore the warnings or sleep in beds of ignorance. I believe we're approaching the consummation of the prophetic word of God. Throughout my ministry, I've been in ministry for over 40 years, admittedly. I've never been a prophecy teacher I'm, I, I, or, or somebody who spent a great deal of time really focused on end-time prophecy. I, now I've had interest in the last days, but I was never one who would take a current event and say, oh, this is what is spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 4. You know, um, Part of that's because I've watched too many folks be proven wrong after they made a bold prediction. But lately... I've been drawn to study a little bit about what the Bible says about the events we're seeing played out before our very eyes right now and about the end of the world and the return of Christ. And Do you want to know what I found that the Bible says about these things? Well, let me tell you what I found. Let me tell you what the Bible says about where we are, what it means, and where we go from here. What about the things Jesus predicted, precursors of the tribulation, and how do we do the next right thing? I have found that the Lord told us about all of this that is happening in advance, and it is a privilege to be his agent on the crest of history. We're not helpless. Our world is not hopeless. Even as the world collapses, the Lord is building his church. We can say something. We can do something, pray something, preach something, and live by the convictions of Christ. Hear me. Hear me. God's people are still more than conquerors. Set your mind on the hope you have in Christ and be ready to pay any price, challenge any foe, confront any lie for the sake of the gospel. I'm telling you, we can live with confidence in the Lord's triumphant return at any moment. Jesus Christ could descend from heaven for his people. I don't know all the details and the timing of that, but I still believe it's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know. You don't know when. Nobody knows when. Only the Father knows when. But until then, we need to understand what this age requires, and we need to do what the Lord commands. And one of the strangest stories in the Bible, in Ezekiel chapter 8, the Lord, I love this story, the Lord grabbed the ancient prophet Ezekiel by the hair of the head and transported him in a vision from Babylon to Jerusalem and dropped him into a scene of unimaginable evil. Ezekiel saw the depravity and the decay of his own country, a country that he very deeply loved. His nation was disintegrating before his eyes, but God gave him a work to do. He commissioned Ezekiel to be a watchman on the wall. God may not grab your hair, but I pray that he'll grab your heart. I pray he'll show you afresh the triumph of the gospel and call you as his watchman to sound the alarm, to proclaim the truth. Remember what God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 22:30, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. I want him to find at least two, you and me. 
Come on and join with me in dedicating the rest of your earthly life to living by biblical convictions, exalting in the triumph of the gospel, and doing all you can to repair the structures of society and to stand in the gap before the Lord on behalf of the land. Don't be fearful. Don't let these times overwhelm you. The world will not end in rubble, but in his return. Our risen and exalted Lord Jesus Christ, our enthroned Savior, knows the way forward. He will show us where to go from here. Let me finish by emphasizing a few unchanging truths from the Scripture that will put the ever-changing headlines into perspective. Number one, you better remember God is still in charge. He rules in the affairs of men, and his will will be done. Second, he is coming. Christ is coming again. God is not bound. Remember this. God is not bound by time. What appears as delay should not be taken as a sign of weakness. Next, we cannot try to second-guess God on the timing of the return of Christ. And then we have to maintain a balance between watchful expectation and what the Scripture calls hope and diligent labor in the meantime. We've got to stay busy. Among many other things, this diligent labor has got to include the the evangelization and discipling of the lost, not just getting souls saved, but discipling them. The edification of God's people, the care of our families, our personal pursuit of Christ's likeness, and the glorification of God. Those things are our duty. They're our responsibility. So are you inclined to live your life around the ever-changing headlines? There's a better, there's a more stable way. And this is it. You ready? Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Occupy until he comes. Occupy till he comes. Thank you again for joining us for Outflow. If you've enjoyed our time together, please let me know. Just uh, before we go, in fact, would you, would you do us a favor? Actually, I'm asking you would do us three favors, but would you please do this for us? It, it, it would it would be so much appreciated. First of all, please subscribe to our podcast, whatever platform you're watching it on. Please subscribe. Secondly, if you like what you hear. Give us a good rating, a five-star rating. That'd be amazing. That helps us. And then finally, please tell your family and friends about us. Thanks again for making Outflow a part of your day. We're excited about taking this journey together, and we couldn't do it without you. Remember, if you have a question or you have a particular topic you would like for us to talk about, please feel free to send that to us. You can do that by email. Uh, Just send it to outflow at outflow.online. Again, very simple, outflow at outflow.online. I'm Pastor Alan King coming to you from the studios of River of Life Church in Valdez, North Carolina. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, get out there and be blessed. And while you're at it, be a blessing.